Sometimes it's more than the fact that, well, we just can't communicate and we can't get along. There's a spiritual battle going on. The devil, he wants to destroy your marriage. And it's just the truth. More than having a rebellious teenager, sometimes we need to understand that Satan is working full-time to destroy, to steal your relationships with your sons and daughters. More than just not having a good season at work, things going wrong, things frustrating, been behind. Satan may be trying to kill your plans. See, the devil has a plan for your workplace. You say, well, why would the devil have a plan for my workplace? Well, the fact is, he's in a battle because there's this spiritual purpose that God has for your life in every single area of your life. And so the devil, he wants to come against that. And the, reali- the reality that we kind of discovered this summer was that there's this battle. In Ephesians 6, we learn how to be strong. And we are strong by putting on or taking up the full armor of God. And God, he wants us to do that. And we kind of wrapped that up last week. But at the end of the message last week, uh, more than uh, three of you came up to me. Uh, actually, three of you came up to me and said, Hey, Pastor, you didn't finish the passage in Ephesians chapter 6. Did anybody else recognize that we didn't keep on going? We didn't finish the thought? And, uh, and, but today we're going to do that. It was intentional. There are two to three more verses here that really fit the theme for us this fall, what we are believing for, that we are making room for more. And it really fits into us multiplying our services and looking forward to October as a church and saying, God, what do you have for us? So without further ado, turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to finish up the thought in Ephesians 6, and then we're going to talk about this idea of prayer that that, um, Eric mentioned. All right, so Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10, it says this, finally, He's wrapping up his thoughts to the church in Ephesus. He says, be strong, or as we talked about it, to be strengthened in the Lord and in his mighty power. Let me just pause there for a second and remind you who is saying to be strong in the Lord. This is powerful. We, you know, it was Paul, and we understand that. We looked at that, but it carries a lot of weight. He wrote over half the New Testament. We understand much of his struggle. In chapters 1 through 6, he, doesn't, he says, look, this battle or this life of Christianity is not easy. You better put on the full armor of God. It, but Paul, he's the one that was used by God in some pretty miraculous ways. How many are familiar with the story where the guy falls out of the window? I think his name is Eunice or something like that, or Eutychus or Eunicus. I don't know, I can't remember. But anyway, he's dead, falls out of the window while the guy's preaching. Hopefully no one dies this morning. But Paul just goes up and says, get up. He gets up and keeps on preaching. Paul's the one that anointed the, the handkerchief. Have you ever had seen that happen before in, in church? You anoint a handkerchief and send it off to go pray with someone? Well, Paul's the one that started that. And people were healed because of the prayer of that, that, that cloth that would go ahead of him. Paul was the one that was shipwrecked, washed ashore to Lystra. It was rainy and cold. He's out. He's trying to start a fire, and a viper bites him, a deadly viper. He shakes it off, prays, and continues to keep on moving. Paul's the one that the Jews tried to silence. They beat him. They stoned him. 
left him for dead. But Paul got back up and went back into the city. And that's the man that's saying, be strong in the Lord, to be strengthened in the Lord. He's like the Mr. T or the Rocky or the Chuck Norris of that time. I mean, Paul, it's unbelievable what God allowed him to do. But Paul's saying, look, there is a battle going on. So are you ready to listen is basically kind of the point. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And then let's skip. We, of course, we look at the armor of God. And then let's look at verse 18, 19, and 20. It says this, and pray in the Spirit. So he says, put on the full armor of God and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the saints. Pray also with me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Paul said, look, we need to pray. He says, put on the armor and pray at the beginning of verse 18. This is not an added weapon. The prayer here is to consume the entire strategy of spiritual warfare. We are not fighting flesh and blood, but a spiritual battle. And if we're going to win, it's going to take prayer. Prayer from every angle, from every, for every single weapon to be bathed in prayer. He says to pray. And then he says to pray in the Spirit. And as Pentecostals, we understand that, to pray in the Spirit. We want to use our prayer language and all these things. But if you are not from a Pentecostal background and you're saying, well, pray in the Spirit, it means to be Holy Spirit-led, to pray God-led prayers. We see that in 1 Corinthians, that if you don't know how to pray, you can pray in the Spirit. I love to pray in the Spirit and then pray in the understanding as 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14, 15 says. And there's a depth in that, a depth in relationship that we can experience to pray in the Spirit. And what's great about praying in the Spirit, when you don't know how to pray, you pray in the Spirit and the Bible says you're praying the perfect will of God. And if you don't pray in the Spirit on a regular basis, I want to encourage you. We've been encouraging our students all summer long to be praying in the Spirit, to stir up those gifts within us and let God do something incredible. We are to pray. And then it says, pray in the Spirit. And then it says, on all occasions. Everyone say all. all. To, on every occasion. The idea is to pray without ceasing. So pray in the Spirit on all occasions. And then it says, with all kinds of prayers and requests. How many know there are multitude of ways to pray and things to pray about and ways to pray and different types of prayers, mental prayers, prayers for guidance, prayers of affirmation, prayers of praise, requests and needs, thanksgiving, uh, wisdom, intercession. How many know you can pray with your eyes closed, right? How many know you can pray with your eyes open while you're praying and while you're driving down the road too, right? You can pray while you're kneeling or while you're standing. You can be loud or soft whispers. Or I've seen people just weep as they pray before the Lord. There, it says on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. And then there's something here in Ephesians 6. At the second part, 
And he says, with this in mind, he says, be alert and always keep on praying for the saints. What should we be praying for? We should be praying kingdom-centered prayers, focused on others, asking God to, to bless and to direct. You say, well, yeah, that sounds good. But then in verse 19, Paul says, pray for me. Isn't that selfish? Isn't that self-centered? Well, listen to what he says. He says, pray also for me. Why? Well, that whenever he opens his mouth, words may be given so that he will fiercely make known the mysteries of the gospel. He says, look, if you pray for me, which he was encouraging him to do, he says, pray that I can speak the word of God boldly, that God would use me. It was all about evangelism, getting the word out. And this is not the only time in Scripture that Paul encourages us to pray. In 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, in uh, Colossians 4, 2, it says, devote yourself to prayer. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, he says to pray continually. In 1 Timothy 2, 8, it says, I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer. In 2 Timothy 1, 3, he says, night and day, he's talking about himself here, night and day, I remember you in my prayers. We see it again in Philippians and in Galatians and all throughout the New Testament. Paul says, look, it's important that you pray. So how do you become strong? What's the key to your strength? To be strengthened in the Lord, Ephesians 6.10, finally be strong in the Lord. The key here is to pray. And we look at successful people in the history of all time. Of course, Jesus in Mark one uh, thirty-five, he gets up early in the morning and heads out to pray, to be alone. How many know if Jesus needed to pray, we needed to pray. We need to pray all the more. But over and over throughout Jesus' life, you can see him slipping away to spend time with his father. David, of course, says in uh, Psalm 30, uh, 63, verse 1, early in the morning will I seek you. The apostles, they decided in Acts chapter 6, verse 4, they were determined to give themselves continually in prayer and in the word. They wanted to be together. What I love is that we are encouraged in Scripture on multiple views to pray and to pray at all times. I love what Martin Luther said. He said this. He said, I have so much business, I cannot get on without spending three hours daily in prayer. How about that? How many are impressed by Martin Luther's commitment to pray? From what I understand, what I've read, his standard time was to tithe his first part of the day. So two and a half to three hours a day given to the Lord in prayer. John Wesley said this, uh, from the, uh, who kind of developed the Wesleyan church. He said, God does nothing but in answer to prayer. Has anyone heard of um, John Hyde? He's a missionary to India. Not so well known in the Assemblies of God uh, circles so much, but uh, in, in missionary circles, uh, he was known as Praying Hyde. And he said this, he's actually the first one, from what I understand, to coin this idea that to breathe is to pray. And I don't know about you, but kind of one or two things happened. 
either you hear things like this, you look at Jesus' life, or you look at the apostles, or you look at David, you look at Martin Luther or, uh, praying hide, and you say, man, I am challenged by that, right? How many just by quick show of hands say, man, I'm challenged by that to pray to that maybe I need to stretch my uh, influence in prayer, right? But there's another reality that is probably just as real, maybe even more so, you can be discouraged by the fact, saying, man, I am no spiritual giant. I am not a praying hide. I'm no John Wesley. I'm no Jesus, right? Well, the truth is, is that God, he meets us right where we are. And he slowly moves us into deeper things. God, he wants to move us into the deep things. And I'm talking to believers primarily this morning. I understand that as I look across the room. But you know what? If you're going to get up in the morning and jog a little bit, you know, maybe go for a mile or two or maybe a 5K. How many have ever ran a 5K? It takes a certain amount of training to do that. You don't just get up one day and, and just go out and do that. Maybe you can. Um, but you know what? If you decide to do a marathon, I guarantee that you just don't roll out of bed and just go hit the road and run 26.2 miles. And you know what? Wherever you are on the prayer scale, okay, God wants to take you into deeper things, and it takes a little more commitment. And so this year, when we look at wrapping up this year and trying to say, God, what are you asking us from us? We believe as a church, God is act, asking us to make room Make room for more prayer. How do we make room for more prayer? Well, it's interesting. Just a couple weeks ago, when we kind of laid, uh, August 12th, we are kind of laying out the plan, saying, hey, this is the, uh, the idea for the bowling alley. When we said, hey, this is what we believe God is doing uh, amongst us. That, uh, October 7th, we're going to multiply our services. And many of you were in that meeting after, after church. Uh, the majority of you stayed. And uh, a visitor, someone that's been around only for a short time, she's not here this morning, I think she's camping with her, with her boy, but um, she raises her hand, Rhonda does, and she says, this is exciting what God's doing. When does the church pray? I'd like to come and pray with you guys. I'm saying, oh. And if, if you remember my answer, I kind of hem-hawed around, I'm like, well, we don't meet regularly to pray. And I thought a lot about that. And then in our conversations with Pete and Debbie, as they're coming on board, uh, they come from a, uh, just an incredible church in Lansing. And uh, Pastor Dave has kind of led that, and now Pastor Kevin. And uh, they are a praying church. They pray around the clock at their church. It's, it's pretty amazing what God has done through the power of prayer. And Pete and Deb uh, are intercessors, and uh, they, they love to pray. They love to worship. And uh, as I had conversations with them, uh, again, I was, they asked me similar questions. Well, when does the church pray? And I'm saying, just honestly, I'm saying, we don't pray together. And I say things like, well, our core value is to pray, right? <laughs> you know, to communicate with God, to listen for His direction. And if you've been around it at all, we talk about that. We may highlight that at times, and that's important. And as your pastor, I want you to know, I pray, and I pray by myself. We, I've encouraged the board to fast and pray with me, and certain key leaders at times, we say, hey, let's, let's believe God for certain things. 
But I had the sense in my spirit coming into this fall that God wants to take us from maybe like the junior varsity team when it comes to prayer up to varsity. He wants to take us to a deeper commitment in Him. More intensity, more focus, more frequency, more power. We need it. And why would God be leading us in this way? Why would he be speaking to my heart and to our leaders to say, hey, we need to pray more? Because there's one truth that just, it's rocked my world in this season of my life. That nothing of significance eternally happens without prayer. Let's say that together, all right? It should be up on the board. Nothing of eternal significance happens without prayer. You need to write that down. Put that in your Bible. Put that somewhere that you can see on a regular basis. See, as a church, we're believing God for some supernatural things, for more lives to be transformed. We are praying kingdom-type prayers, and we need to do that together because there's this truth that's out there, and it sounds cliche, but so true, that prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. I look back in my life, and I look over my life, and I say, God, there were moments in my life that I got on my face before you, and you changed things. One time, almost within an hour, we, I was planning on living on a billboard for eight days. Uh, Phil and Shannon, you remember that. And we were doing this thing across the nation, up in the air for kids. And I had an initial uh, conversation with Lamar Advertising that they were going to let me live on a billboard, raise money for missions. It was going to be great. Well, a month out, a new CEO, or, uh, for that, or not CEO, but a new director for the entire area for Dayton, Ohio, comes on the scene. We give him a call, say, hey, we're still planning on doing this. He says, not under my watch. He says, there's not a chance that you're going to live on a billboard for eight days. You or anybody else. And there's going to be three of us children's pastors doing this. And I said, well, respectfully, I said, who could I talk to that could make a decision that honestly could make you allow us to do that? He said, well, you can call Atlanta, Georgia. But he says, I promise you, they've given me jurisdiction over this area. It's not going to happen. We called. I got on the phone. I said, I said, look, I explained the situation. And then I hung up the phone. It was a short conversation. And they said they would get back with me soon. They said, I said, well, we need to know because we need to move forward with training and, and different things to make this happen. And I don't know if you remember this, Phil. I closed my office door. I got on my face before the Lord, completely prostrate. I said, Lord, you know you've put this in my heart. And there was a lot of details that went into it. And all across the nation, there were children's pastors doing this. And we really sensed God was wanting to do it. And within an hour, we get a call from Lamar, from, uh, not from Atlanta, but from Dayton, Ohio, saying, yeah, we're going to let you do it. And we're going to let you do it. And you know what? God used that in my life as a sign, saying, God, you can pray. I can pray, and it changes things. I've prayed for people to, that were sick, and especially in my family, and they are healed in God to be the glory. We've been recently been putting our son to bed, and he's been getting out of bed. And, and uh, a, few, a few nights ago, uh, I told Jessica, I said, there's, maybe there's a spiritual component of this. And so we started to pray about it, and, we, and I prayed with Logan one night. I said, Logan, there's nothing that, that needs, that there's no reason for you to be afraid. 
And we prayed. We prayed a powerful prayer. Not just, Lord, lay my head down to sleep. Uh, but we prayed a powerful prayer. And he was like glued to his bed. And uh, last night, I don't think he got up. It was praise the Lord. And, uh, and, and he's going to be fine. And we, we trust the Lord in that. But for, for, for protection. Just recently, we've been praying, Jessica and I have in particular, for a job for Jessica uh, in the school district. And we've been praying a very specific prayer. We wanted something to be flexible, that would be part-time, but it would allow her as well to take on substitute jobs where she could uh, work more when she was available, but still be able to jockey her schedule around. And, like, there's no position like that, okay? Well, she got a call, and they called her in for this interview for five hours, or no, for ten hours a week, two hours a day. She said, well, I'd love to help you. But this is kind of my heart. And she kind of explained what we've been praying about, right? She said, well, if, if a, a substitute full day comes, could I change my schedule, get a substitute for me, and then work full time to have more hours? And they're like, ah, I don't know. I'm not so sure, <laughs> right? And uh, all this exchange goes back and forth. Jessica walks out, is talking with another uh, employee from the district, and uh, just kind of shooting the breeze. She's about to leave the office. And the vice principal says, hey, before you leave, uh, we just want you to know we really want you to have this job. If that's what it takes, uh, we'll, we'll make it work. It was awesome. And, and God was answering our prayer. Prayer changes things. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. And, uh, and it's the favor of God. We were reminiscing last night just uh, with our friends Phil and Shannon just about areas in our lives where we believe specifically in God changed. He moved things on our behalf. And so we know that prayer changes things. And it's not cliche. But did you know this as well? That not praying can change things as well? That not praying, the absence of prayer, changes things? I was listening to a radio program, and I was kind of in between uh, appointments. I didn't catch who was speaking, and, I, and I, it was on WCSG, I think, but the guy's talking was talking about the importance of the year 1963. Does anybody remember what happened in 1963 from a prayer initiative? Yeah, prayer was kicked out of schools from an official standpoint, from the leadership as, at least. We all know that students can still pray in the school. But prayer in school was, was ejected in 1963. Well, this guy, he was saying, and I, and I, I don't have this... You know, I wasn't able to find this as a source document. But what he was saying is that before that, for 15 years before that, the, the, there was a decline in the amount of divorce in families. So the divorce rate was actually getting better. There was less people getting divorced leading up the 15 years prior to 1963. And then he started to talk about the change, not only in divorce, but also in cohabitation within families, people living together before they're married and uh, just being normal. And then he went on and talked about homosexuality in the schools and, and uh, how proliferate that has become from that date. And I was just gripped by that. And I think, man, by not praying, could it be that that is a result, that not praying changes things? Turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. If you don't have this uh, highlighted in your Bible, I want to encourage you to do so. A powerful, powerful promise in God's Word. 
It says this, it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, everyone say pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. We've heard this uh, before. If you're around in Christian circles at all, you've heard this before. And we know that there's truth in the idea that when we pray, God moves, and that God changes things. So let me ask you a question. Why have some of us stopped praying? Jesus says never to give up praying, to not give up praying for your husband or your children or the leaders around you, to not give up praying for our country, for our officials, that we are to have an attitude of prayer, to do nothing without prayer. It should be as natural as us breathing should our prayer life be. So why have some of us stopped? So why have some of us stopped believing, stopped praying? See, you never stop breathing. Just hold your breath for a minute, and most of us are gasping for air. By the way, I've got a goal in mind. I'd like to hold my breath for three minutes, and I'm working on it. I saw this, this uh, documentary that, that I was like, yeah, you, you know, you, and kind of sharing how you can do that. And so I'm up to like a minute and 50 seconds. I can hold my breath. It's kind of cool, and, uh, but I'm growing there. But, uh, it, but I'm not going to hold my breath forever. I'm going to breathe, and I'm going to pray. We need to breathe. We need to pray. Do not let up on prayer. And the sad fact is, and maybe this is a, a realistic uh, truth in your life, that you've stopped praying for your kids. You've given up on the idea that, you know, that God can move in your spouse. Maybe you've stopped praying for the church, or maybe you've stopped praying for me as your pastor, or for Pastor Pete. He needs a lot of prayer. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. But we're to remember that not praying changes things. And so I'm encouraging you to pray. Yeah, there's distractions in this world. Students, finals will come and go. There will be deadlines in our lives, all our lives. Jobs will be a distraction. Our families, sports. You can say, I'm tired. I don't have the time. But none of those are excuses. We need to pray, to be unceasing in our prayer. Do you believe that? Making room for prayer. And as I was thinking about this, and as I was praying over this message, and just asking God to just kind of uh, let these things kind of settle in my spirit, I was thinking about my life, and over the history of my life, of my 36 years, of my life, personally, and I would say overall, I, most people that look at my life, and, I, and I, even for me, I would say I am blessed. God has blessed me. He's blessed my family. I'm fourth generation Christian. And God is, he's just moved in our lives. And I'm thankful for that. And I just want to say, if you're a first generation Christian, it might be the most difficult generation to make it. But you can make it. And my grandma, at some point, she'll come and tell about her family before, uh, before they were believers and how it's awesome, awesome testimony. But why was I blessed? Well, because of prayer. My family has been a praying family since I was born, even before I was born. 
When I think about it, I look back at my life. My family was praying. I remember in my house hearing my parents pray and pray in the Spirit by that matter. They would pray over us. They would pray with us before we go to bed. And it was not just always just you know, a quick prayer. We would pray at times. Do you know what? My parents, they still pray for me. I don't know if you know this, but on Sunday mornings between 8 o'clock and 8.30, I get a text from my mom and my dad with a prayer, praying for us as a body of believers. Sometimes it's a verse and a prayer. Sometimes it's just a, a prayer. And you know what? We are blessed because of that. My grandma and grandpa, Zoltan and Mary, they've been here before. Some of you have met them before. They have prayed for this church and for my wife and my kids by name and for me every single day for as long as I can remember. Every single day. Vacation, not vacation. If they're sick, it doesn't matter. Every day, anytime I call them, they said, hey, we've been praying for you, or we're just about to pray for you. And you know what? I am blessed because of that. I'm challenged by that. And I would say it's compounded prayers. It's almost like compound interest. Because of all the prayers, I am living in the favor of God. It, those prayers have guided me. They've protected me. They've encouraged me. And I want to pass that on to the next generation, to my kids. And I want to do the same thing. And I hope that challenges some of you this morning. But as I think about not only my own life, but when I think about the future of our church and where God is taking us, taking us to the next level, how will our church be blessed? Our church will be blessed when we pray. We will be guided. There will be protection, provision, encouragement that comes. Because I believe deep in my spirit, it's confirmed in God's word, that nothing of eternal significance happens without prayer. So church, we got some work to do. We got some work to do. And I'm going to talk about that. What, how do we do this? What are we going to do this fall that maybe is different? We'll talk about that in a second. But I want to talk about something just as kind of a side note that, that the Lord kind of just uh, gave me this week. I was listening to Sam Reifkokel from uh, Graham Rapids First Assembly. He was, uh, uh, he was talking about prayer on a podcast or a, a video that I was watching. And, uh, and he, he said something, and I'm just going to give you a snippet of it, and I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. But he's, he was talking about how do you get answered prayer. And it just caught my attention, and I said, boy, i got to share this because it's, it, was, it was rich to me. The first thing is you ask, kind of like children ask. You know, my, my kids, they come to me, and they, don't, they come and ask for lunch. They're not wondering if I'm going to give them lunch. <laughs> They're asking so we can kind of get it on the move. They know that we're going to feed them. And the same kind of thing is true, that as believers, we need to come to the Lord and we need to ask. But our requests must be right. It's, there's three things here. Our requests must be right. And last week, we, we heard from a great missionary, Kevin Prince, and he was talking about wisdom and the importance of the God factor, not only just our knowledge and our experience, but it's God directing us in, in our requests. The things that we pray about, it needs to be right. Our requests must be right. The second thing is that our timing 
must be right for our, for our prayers to be answered. And then the third thing is that you must be right. And we talked a little bit about this a few weeks ago when we talked about putting on the breastplate of righteousness, right? That as we put on righteousness, it puts us in a place that God can bless us. And the reality is, is that there are some believers that struggle with righteousness. They flounder through life and God withholds blessings or answered prayers because of the sin that's in their life. And it's just the, the truth, and we kind of studied about that. But Sam Reichel says, look, if you have the wrong request, if you have the wrong request, if you get my W's and R's, the answer is going to be no. He says if your timing is wrong, the answer will be slow. And then he says if you are wrong, if there's a sin issue in your life, the answer is grow. And I thought, man, how powerful is that? But he says, if all three are right, if things are lined up, the answer is go and make a difference. And as I heard that this week, and I reflect on kind of where God is taking us, I believe it was a word of God for me that, okay, the timing or the request is right. We know that God, he wants to see transformed lives. He wants to see our territory expanded. He wants his church to be healthy and growing. Do you agree? And then we look at the timing. We say, God, we've been praying and asking God for his timing. And we say, God, we, we trust you that this is the, the season for us. We pull the trigger for October 7th. And then we say, God, help us to be in the right position. And so the answer will be yes and go. And God will bless what we're doing. And I, I just it's, it made such an impact on my life this week saying, God, I'm trusting you in this process for what you have for us. So you say, well, what is God calling us to do? We want to make room for more prayer. That's one of the things we're making room for this season. Well, the first thing that we want to make room for is in prayer requests. A couple weeks ago, I, many of you were a part of this. Um, Pete, could you jump up and grab me one of those prayer requests around the back? Um, we gave people that came through for the backpack drive opportunity to fill out prayer requests. And we did a drama and we had a salvation call and many people gave their hearts to the Lord. But more than the people that gave their hearts to the Lord, which that was exciting, we gave them a little card like this and we said, hey, if there's anything in your life that we could be praying for, we'd like to know and we'll commit as a church to pray for the next month. If you were here last week, we kind of spread them out and we prayed. Uh, Pastor Pete's been praying for him. I've been praying for him, looking through those. And uh, just, and we commit to a month. And as I've looked at that and looked at some of the requests, and some of you guys have been praying for these individuals, I'm saying, why don't we do this more? There are requests that every single one of us could write down, things that we're believing God for, in our lives. And why not share those things? Now, if it's confidential, mark it confidential, and the, just the pastors will see, and that's okay. But there are things in our lives that we need prayer support for. We need wisdom, godly wisdom. As we pray for each other, our hearts will grow for each other. And so this 
fall, we are committed to utilize these prayer requests. In fact, at the end of the service here today, I'm going to ask every single one of you to fill out your first, maybe, prayer request. And we're going to start praying together. And we're going to use these on Wednesday nights, which I'm going to talk about in just a second. But I want you to know that we're going to pray and these prayer requests are going to come in. And we're going to lift these to the Lord. And we're going to count it our privilege to, to be praying in this way. And then we want to tell others that what Jesus is doing and the answered prayer. And it's so, it's so important for us to get a picture of what God wants to do through just simple prayers. Praying for one another. So that's the first thing we're going to do. The second thing that God, I believe, is calling us to do is to spend some time in corporate prayer. And I'm excited about this. As you look at the pattern of the early church, they were together more than they were apart. In Acts chapter 1, verse 14, it says this, it says, These all, with one mind, were continually devoting themselves to prayer. Acts 2, 1 through 4, and when you read that in its entirety, on the day of Pentecost, they were all together in one place. Acts 2, 46 and 47, the day, uh, a day and day they continued with one mind in the temple. Acts 4, 24 through 31, when you look, read through that, it says, And when they heard this, they lifted up their voices to God in one accord. Acts 5, 12, which we read a little earlier, or referenced earlier. And they were all in one accord in Solomon's portico. They were together. It wasn't I and my and me. Our Western civilization, our culture that we are in, is so uh, about individualism. But instead, it was more we and our and us. Gene Getz, in his book, Praying for One Another, way back from 1982, about 30 years old, I guess, said this. He says, the facts are that more is said in the book of Acts and in the epistles about corporate prayer, corporate learning of biblical truth, corporate evangelism, and corporate Christian maturity and growth than about the personal aspects of the Christian discipline. It was more about being together than it was about going and having these Christian disciplines on your own. He says this, the personal dimensions of Christianity are difficult to maintain, how many would agree, and practice unless they grow out of a corporate experience on a regular basis. We need to be together, and we need to pray together. And so I'm inviting you this fall to join us to come and to pray. We're going to take Wednesday nights and we are going to pray. And there's going to be corporate prayer. And it's going to be like a corporate learning uh, of what prayer is. Starting September 12th at 7 o'clock is a family night. There's going to be stuff for the kids to do. Uh, and the youth are going to be discipling. And our, for adults, our discipleship strategy is going to be to pray together and then explore what prayer means. And we're going to study prayer. And we're going to dive deep. And I want to just encourage you that it's a learning process. Even the disciples in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, they came to Jesus after he prayed and after he was doing all these things, and he says, would you teach us to pray like John the Baptist taught his disciples to pray? And 
Jesus wants to teach us to pray. And I want to encourage you that it, you don't have to wait till you become perfect in your prayers. But it's a learning. We're going to take Wednesday nights to question and to experiment, believing God for success. We're going to come with great anticipation for what God wants to do. This fall is going to be characterized by prayer. And I believe that God is going to continue to bless our efforts. Again, our discipleship strategy is to pray, to learn to pray. How many could say, I could use a few lessons here or there on praying? I know I do. I got a few resources in this week that are just uh, leaping with inside me. We're going to use those on Wednesday nights. And uh, we're, we're going to become healthier in our relationships as we learn. I believe that marriages are going to be healthy and whole and permanent. God is going to do it. Children are going to be protected because of our bold prayers. Do you realize if you are a Christian family, and if your kids go off to public schools, they have a target on their back? We need to guard their hearts and their minds. We need to pray, not just, Lord, help them with their math test. We need to pray bold, powerful prayers to protect our kids and to give them the strength to withstand the enemy's fiery darts. I believe that this season, for us, that our most important meeting is going to be Wednesday nights. More important than Sunday mornings gatherings. Our most important meeting is going to be when we come and we pray. And we're going to ask God to create like this school of prayer to help us to learn. We're going to come. We're going to get into God's word. We're going to look at resources. And we're going to experiment. We're going to try different things. And we're going to ask God to do some incredible supernatural things. And I want you to be a part. See, there's this book that I just got. And uh, Pastor Pete actually recommended it when I started sharing what we were wanting to do this fall. He says, you've got to get this book called The Circle Maker. Anybody heard it by Mark Batterson? Yeah. And uh, in, in this book, the premise is that this guy in the first century Jew, his name is Handi, I think. Is that how you say it? Honi? Honi, I'm sorry. Honi, H-O-N-I. There was this extreme drought. God used this one man of God to pray and it basically the idea is that he made this circle and he said, look, if you come and pray uh, and you stand in this circle, we're going to believe God uh, for the impossible. And there's like this circle of prayer. And, and, I, and I just imagine, I just basically just cracked the book and kind of got the gist of what it was talking about. But that there's this great need. And I want you just to imagine that the church, there's this great need at the, at the Gateway Church. As you come and pray corporately for others, the needs that you have in your life are going to be answered as well as the churches as we draw this circle of prayer. And so we'll, we'll kind of explore that, and it'll be exciting. And we're asking God to do some incredible things to, in this season. And so we're going to pray, and I'm going to encourage you to pray. Next week, just by a, a, a kind of a promotion, uh, you're not going to want to miss. In fact, I'm going to encourage you to bring someone with you Next week's message, we're going to talk. I'm going to teach about a prayer that God always answers, and it brings favor into your life. 
And uh, you're not going to want to miss that. And we're going to have an initiative that's going to start next Sunday uh, with prayer that will kind of complement our Wednesday nights. And, uh, and today was kind of a preamble to that. But church, what I want you to know is as your pastor, I am committed to pray. And I want to challenge each of us to pray, to pray like we never have before. And again, come back to the idea, why have you stopped praying? And maybe that's the case for you. And we're going to pray for salvations and for healings and for miracles. We're going to pray for about our future. We're going to pray about uh, things in your life. And we be- we're going to believe that this season of our church is going to be more fruitful than all of the other seasons that have gone, gone before us. And God is going to do it. And I believe it deep down in my heart. Do you believe it? And we're going to challenge you to be a part of that, to come and to pray. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning. And uh, I'm going to ask the ushers, I'm not sure where they slipped to, uh, or, or maybe Rich, you could help me, and um, uh, if someone else could, yeah, thanks, Bob. We're going to pass out a uh, prayer request per person. We want to make sure every person, husband and wife, get one. Uh, students, you get one. Every single person. And then we'll kind of follow that up with some pens. It'll take just a moment here uh, to do it. Um, but in just a second, we're going to ask uh, for you to fill out a prayer request and just say, God, you know, what is it that I'm believing for in this season? If it's confidential, just mark down confidential. And when we gather those, uh, we're not going to share those beyond uh, the pastoral circle. But we're going to ask that you do this as a seed. And we're going to start praying and believing along with all of the backpack requests. And we're, we're going to see miracles happen. See, the fact is, we all, there's things in our lives. And if we take the time to say, okay, God, where is it, God? What am I believing for? Even if you're just visiting today, I'm going to encourage you to do that. And we will commit as a church to pray for your request for one month. Is that fair? And then we're going to use these. Yeah. 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 Yeah, the best way that we kind of communicate prayer requests at this point is through email or Facebook. Um, and Bonnie does that in the office, or we'll shoot out a, a request if it comes in. How many, if you're a part of that uh, email chain, uh, you've gotten prayer requests in the past? That's probably the best way that we've done that to contact the office and to put that out. And so uh, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's kind of the idea. Yeah, you text me, and we've, we've sent some things out uh, in that way. Okay. All right, so guys, why don't you go ahead and do that? Um, let's, let's pass those out. And while they do that, I, I want to encourage uh, those of us here this morning that may be away from the Lord to consider coming back to the Lord or getting your life right with the Lord. If God is not the number one priority in your life, I believe that God is calling you <laughs> to that kind of commitment. He wants your attention. And I'm not just talking about knowing about God, but to experience God in His power of salvation. And if you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior, in just a moment we're going to pray about that. The second thing I want to encourage you uh, this morning as we consider writing out these prayer requests, I'm going to encourage you to, to kick up your prayer personally, take it up a notch, that your prayer life would begin to be exercised uh, 
in a greater dimension even before September 12th when we come together for corporate prayer. And uh, I'm going to challenge young people and uh, young adults and singles and married all the way to the oldest that's here to begin to exercise your muscles of prayer and, uh, and to know that as you begin to work those muscles out, they will become stronger and that God, He will help us. And to remember that little strategy that, yeah, the timing needs to be right, the request needs to be right, and you need to be right. And that's the last thing, is that if there's some things in your life that are hindering the effectiveness of your prayer, that you would bring those things to the Lord and that God, He would help you in those things. All right, so let's do this. We're going to take a moment. And we're going to have you fill these out. And um, Logan, if you could go ahead uh, with song four, just nice and soft here, just for a moment. We're just going to ask God to just kind of take this time. We're going to surrender some of these things to the Lord. We're gonna ha- God, God's going to help us. And then we're going to pray all together, believing that God, He will meet us right where we are, and that He's going to sl- help us to slowly move into some deeper things. Amen. this morning, you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, if you're away from the Lord, if He's not number one in your life, and would be interested in praying, just asking God to come in to fill you up, would you just lift your hand right where you are? We want to just uh, agree in prayer. Just anyone at all. Yeah, that's where I am today. I need God. Just as a sign for if the Lord is challenging you to a deeper commitment in prayer as you're hearing the, the word spoke this morning, would you just, by a show of hands, just say, God, that's me. I want to go deeper in prayer this season of my life. Would you just slip up your hand? Yeah. Lord, I pray that you help us, God. Now, if you've filled out a prayer request, I'm going to ask that you do something as we dismiss. And this is how we're going to dismiss this morning. I'm going to ask that you would stand when we, after we say amen here in just a second. And I'm going to ask that you would come and bring your prayer request to the front. And I want you to just put them right here, put them face down, just in case they're confidential. And then you're dismissed from there. But as you're dismissed, the challenge is to pray. To pray without ceasing. To strengthen those prayer muscles in your life. And to believe God for the impossible. And so I'm going to ask that you do that. But let me pray a closing prayer. Lord, you are in control. We give our hearts to you. 
Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us as a body, your believers, to make a bigger impact, to have more influence. Lord, I pray for your glory, for your honor. And where we are convicted, where there is sin in our lives, we, we cast those things off. Lord, we pray for strength. But Lord, I pray that you would go before us, behind us, and all around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You are dismissed when you're ready. If you need prayer for anything in particular, would like to be prayed for, you can slide over here and we'll pray with you. Otherwise, go in the grace of God, bring your request to the Lord, and we're going to believe God for the impossible. Amen.
Jesus' name.